In this lesson, we will consider a few statutory implied terms in relation to a contract of sale. Our discussion will revolve primarily around sections 12 through section 15 of the Sale of Goods Act of 1979. First of all, section 12 essentially talks about the title of whatever goods that are being sold and whatever is implied by way of statute. Now, firstly, a seller will have a right to sell in the case of a sale and in the case of an agreement to sell the seller has such a right when property is to pass now mind you we've discussed up to this point in several lessons about both possession and property passing now the interesting component is regardless of a particular seller having title he might not have a right to sell you can be as a seller prevented from selling what you own a very interesting case in relation to this is niblet and confectioner's material. It's a very, very interesting case which is available in your case summaries. I urge you to have a look at it to get a better understanding of what I mean when I say that even though a seller has a right, as in he has a title, he might not have a right to sell the said products. However, buyer, regardless of this, may get good title due to an exception within the Nemodat rule. But the seller himself will be in breach of section 12.1. Section 12.2 denotes the circumstances in which a sale can occur with the title itself. Now, firstly, goods will be free of encumbrances not disclosed to the buyer. Now, you need to keep very special attention of this particular fact, whichever is not disclosed to the buyer. Secondly, the buyer will enjoy quiet enjoyment notwithstanding any change on it by the seller or a third party as disclosed during sale. Now, what you might have noted from both of these uh, points is that there is an exception to this, which is that the seller, if the seller has stated whatever defect in title before the sale, then these might be vitiated. And this is stipulated in section 12.3. There might be a sale via description, as in while the goods might not have been physically examined or seen by the buyer, he might have made a purchase based on a description. So therefore, in a contract of sale of goods or a contract of sale, by description, there is an implied condition by way of Section 13 of the Sale of Goods Act of 1979 that the goods will correspond with whatever description that has been provided. The obligation here is extremely strict. Have a look at Arcos and Runasen to get a better understanding of how this applies in relation to a contract of sale. Now, in line with that, section 13 speaks predominantly about sale by description. So we'll have a quick look at what descriptions are in effect in order for a contract to be in place, this particular condition to be operative. Firstly, descriptive words must be terms. This does not apply to mere puffs or whatever is said prior to contracting, but to the terms itself. Secondly, goods sold with reference to the description. It is important in the context of unascertained goods because you have no idea about the apportionment for you as a buyer. Thirdly, description must identify the goods being sold. Now, have a look at Ashington Piggeries and Christopher Hill for a better understanding here. But the bottom line is, a term ought not to be regarded as part of the description unless it identifies the goods sold. It must identify it. It cannot be something vague and it cannot be something out of context. 
it must be something that specifies the goods that are being sold within the contract of sale. Now, a description must have sufficient influence in the sale as well to become an essential term in the contract. It must have influenced the buyer to purchase it. Something mentioned in the description should have been a feature of it that the buyer was looking for in that particular good. Harlingdon and Christopher Hill Fine Art is a very good example to illustrate this fact where the seller was unaware of the authenticity of a particular painting and the buyer was unaware as well but contracted for a specific type. So in this eventuality both the seller and the buyer were in the dark uh, in relation to this contract of sale. That was a quick roundup of statutory implied terms, specifically that of sections 12 through 15 of the Sale of Goods Act of 1979. In the next lesson, we will look at several specific areas in relation to implied terms, which are the course of business, satisfactory quality, and fitness for purpose.